Welcome back to Ascend Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in 1 Timothy chapter 4. It reads, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good. And nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come." The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that you may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and also on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. So as we jump in here to chapter 4, there are a lot of different things going on in this passage, but it really has two main teachings that are focused on warnings about things, and then items that Paul wishes Timothy to focus on. I want us to really focus back here on our warnings that are given here in the first part of the chapter as we jump in to focus on one truth that can anchor our faith today. That truth that I want us to focus on is the fact that there will be those who depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. As we reflect on this, I think the first part of that verse might not be too difficult for us to understand. There will be some who devote themselves to deceitful spirits. One of the biggest things that I believe about the way in which the world system tries to draw us away from truth and draw us away from the tenets of the gospel is the fact that they take and twist facets of the truth and add or subtract important things that make it so that those statements are more easily understandable or believable to us. So what do I mean by that? They make it so that we desire the twisted truth more than the initial truth. They make it so it's more palatable. It's easier for us to take. It's what we want to hear. It's what we desire. And it fits in with the sinful tendencies that we have. So it's easy to see why it's something people will actually fall prey to and attempt to follow. Because it's what they want to hear. It's the desires that they want to have fulfilled that are not being met through certain ways or certain beliefs. But instead, now there's this new thought that says, well, this is actually how you're supposed to do it. And so people jump on that bandwagon saying, yes, I've been looking for something like this that takes a shortcut or that gets there faster or that makes it so that I get what I desire rather than having to be patient or wait or actually sit and contemplate on what God is trying to teach me through a situation. But the second part of that verse where it says, in the teaching of demons, I think that's where people would be like, whoa, 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 if there are demons teaching me, I think I'm going to figure that out. And it's obviously not going to draw me away if I'm actually a part of the church. And so I think that that point 
is something that we really need to focus down on. Because what it's really saying is that the deceitful spirits are the teachings of demons. And while we don't have enough time to develop a whole theology of demons here, we do want to understand the fact that most of us are probably not finding ourselves in a situation where we're communicating with a demon. But what is true is we are working in a world that has demonic influences. Satan and his demons are trying to draw away the believers. They're trying to draw away all people from God and his truth. And they don't just try to do this in the most overt ways or the most obvious ways, but they do it subtly. As we look at the rest of the verses here in this first section, they give us a more clear picture as to what these things are through insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, which Paul then goes on to give some specific examples that are taking place around Timothy that he's to look out for. And these are possibly some of the other people who he's warned him about earlier in the letter and the specifics of what they're doing to draw people away or to teach errors within the church. And we don't have to look very far in our own day to find these types of teachings or these subtle twistings of the truth that are being given from within churches that are drawing people away and drawing people from the truth of God. In fact, I've had some of the students here at ASM who've come up and said, hey, how do I know if the church that my friend is going to is a biblical church? Because they're saying this and I'm hearing this from them And I think that the Bible says something different. First off, I let them know, hey, it's great that you're trying to discern what's going on here and that you're seeking for answers and you're trying to understand what it is that your friend or another person that's sharing with you is believing. And it's great that you're taking it back to the scriptures for you to understand that, but we can't just assume that everything that's being told to them, especially even everything that they hear from somebody who says, hey, somebody at a church said this, means that it's true and means that it's something that's to be followed. It would be a lot easier if that were the case, if we knew that every person who stands in a church and says something is truth and that we can follow it. But churches are filled with fallible people. We're not perfect. We might say something that is an error that is on accident. But other times, people are willfully following those things because they're caught up in the deceitfulness of the world system, and they're moving towards that and away from the centrality of the gospel. So as we reflect on that today, it's important for us to do two things. One, to be discerning, And two, to not be surprised when we see these things happening, because it could be greatly discouraging to the people of faith if they see a departure of people going away to follow these things. But number one, we've been warned about it, and there's many other places in scripture where there are warnings like this. And we need to understand that we are then the ones who should be discerning and looking out for the truth and making sure that we spot the truth when it's true and that we call it out when it's a lie. As far as a question from this chapter, as always, there are many places we could find a specific question to focus in on. But because of the importance of what I think some people could misunderstand verse 10 to mean, I'd like to jump in there. Verse 10 says, For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hopes set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. So, when the first reading of this, you might think, hey, well, this teaches something that's commonly called universalism, that God has saved all people, and it doesn't really matter what we believe because he's saving us all. But that's not what this verse is saying, because when we look at it in the context of the rest of Scripture, what we do see is that there is something that we commonly call common grace. It means that the grace that is given to God is given to all people. 
It's given in a way that all people experience certain aspects of the goodness of God. But there is a special way, which is the added part here, especially to those who believe. And that is the part that is actually true salvation of those people. We can look at the way in which this word is used in the Septuagint, which is the Greek Old Testament, and it's used in specific places where it's not referring to salvation, but to deliverance or perseverance or other things that are provided for individuals. That helps us to see that this word is not always referring to eternal salvation, but has a wider range of meaning, which we can understand in terms of the common grace or the ways in which God is providing for deliverance and perseverance and providing for the world as a whole because of his goodness towards his creation and his desire to allow them to reach, hopefully, the special salvific place that is mentioned here. So when we think about the grace that God gives to all people, it's the goodness of God that is exposed to all people, the rains that we receive, the beauty of the earth, the ability that we have to experience aspects of the characteristics of God. We also see that he gives us the opportunity to repent. When we think about the fact that that is given to all people, that is a gracious thing that the Savior is providing. Now, our response to that is also important and equally as important as the offer that's made. But as we reflect on that, we can see that there are some things that are given to us and given to all people. But this verse is not saying that God has saved people and then specially saved these other people who believe. It's important for us to understand that because, once again, that is, going back to this first part, a common thing that some people try to take and twist to say that God is doing. And when they do that, they're leading people away from the truth of the gospel and leading them towards the world system, that we all get these things, that it doesn't really matter how we live, that God is going to do the good things and the right thing by accepting us all into heaven because he's a good God who loves us. It's true that God loves us, but his love doesn't look the way that people think or want his love to look, and he tells us and reveals his love to us through his scriptures. So we need to look back at those and see that there are specific places that are calling us to repentance, that are telling us about the process of salvation, that are telling us that in the last days and in the days when God comes to return to earth, that there'll be a separation of those who believe and those who don't believe. And so when we think about those types of things that the Bible is very clear on, we need to make sure that whatever we read is true throughout all of the Bible, that it's consistent, that we understand what a author is trying to say in the context of what they're saying in the passage, as well as in the rest of the scriptures. And when we do that, we're able to learn and to grow and to understand better the character and attributes of God, the way in which he's revealed himself to us, and the way in which he desires us to live. As you look at your own questions that you have in this passage, as you labor in that process of trying to figure out what the understanding is of it and how it applies to your life, know today you are loved. You're